Good evening, or day, whichever time you're listening to us, and welcome to the next episode of Myths and Stories. Uh, we are continuing our, our, our journey through the history of the Awoken people. Uh, we've, we've, we've started with Mara, because, I mean, she's basically the center of the Awoken people. That, I mean, she's their queen. She's the reason they exist the way they do. Uh, we started with Herb all the way back in, in the pre-collapse, uh, all the way through the black hole into the distributary, the pocket universe, uh, th- through thousands of years, I think. I don't, I don't know how long it's been. Uh, deaths and, and whatnot have happened, and, and the people have become immortal, and they've created different types of crazy societies, and, and, and yeah, it's a beautiful place. Uh, and last time, we ended on a bit of a cliffhanger. Uh, we're getting pretty good at these cliffhangers, and I really like them. Uh, we ended on the challenge that was issued uh, by Sheer Ido to Marasov, who turned around and kind of manipulated the <laughs> the deal a bit <laughs> and uh, put her brother up. Uh, as as the as the recipient of this challenge, and yeah, we're gonna we're gonna dive into that, uh, which is I for me personally, this is one of my favorite parts of of the of the Awoken story, especially in the distributary itself. Like it's 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 epic. It's epic. It it is unlike anything else in the destiny universe and like you could pull the entire story of the distributary out and make it its own thing like write it as its own book i mean i guess it kind of is <laughs> um, but like use it as a tv show you could you could use it as something com- and never tell anyone it's related to destiny and it would still make sense within its own little bubble absolutely uh, like it is such a well written story within everything else now that bungie is paired with sony and sony has sony pictures like there's already talks of like a of another tv show of another game that's super awesome that's sony exclusive now granted destiny's not sony exclusive but we could we could see it i could see a a destiny tv show i'd be okay with that as long as it's better than the halo show oh <laughs> oh, sad face. Uh, well, and on that sad note, we're done. No. <laughs> uh, all right, Myth. Uh, which, uh, where, where? What's the, uh, what's the next? What's, what's, what's the chapter we're starting with tonight? Yeah. So we are again in the Mara Senna book tonight. Um, exclusively, all the chapters we read will be from Mara Senna. Uh, the chapter we ended on last time was Impotent 2, uh, and as we said, that was, um, Sheer Ido seeking to, uh, take revenge upon Mara for, uh, she believed the murder of the Diaserum, who was the leader of a, a faction of the Awoken during the Theodicy War, um, 
and she shared came to realize that she she could not find it within herself to kill Mara. Um and so she decided, you know, rather than fight you, I will fight a you know, you can choose a champion and I will fight your champion and if I win, I will be my my winning will be that I get to permanently like maim you in some way, like leave a leave a permanent mark or scar or whatever it may be. Um, and your champion will be dead. Uh, and then, you know, if, if I lose, then my, my life is yours to do with as you, as you see fit. Uh, and Aldrin, who was Mara's champion, big surprise, uh, decided on three challenges because leaving it up to one is, is not, you know, that, that's too much chance. They need to really make sure somebody wins. Uh, in in a skillful manner, and so he proposes: we fight with the blade, with rifle, and with fifth generation air superiority fighters. And Shir Ido accepted those terms. That that still gets me. That that last one, I, it's it's it sounds so random, but it's so calculated. Oh, it's it's brilliant, yeah. and we will see exactly how brilliant yeah. here uh, in in the first couple of chapters we talk about tonight. I I do have to laugh though because I I keep looking at the title of the books, and I keep wanting to read it as impotent. <laughs> that, that, that is a totally different issue going on. Here. It is a totally different thing. <laughs> this is Im- imponent. I m p o n e n t. Which, if it makes you feel better, when I type in imponent into Google, it tries to correct me with impotence. Um, your poor, your Google so you're not history, the only one. Your Google search history is just screwed now. I was going to ask. That does it... is why we incognito. Uh, <laughs> I was going to ask, does it mean anything? Does, does imponent mean anything? Not impotent. Yes, it does. <laughs> It does. Uh, imponent is um, a person who imposes a duty. Okay. Okay. So they're they're imposing a duty or responsibility. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Um, which makes sense. Sure is imposing the responsibility of the death of the diaserum yeah. onto Mara. Absolutely. Um. So all right, we're gonna start tonight. Imponent. <laughs> number three <Yeah>, to... <laughs> chapter 18 of the Mara Senna book and it goes like this now it came to pass that Acelia daughter of Celia recognized the scent of Sheer Ido for smell lies deepest in memory Acelia spoke to Queen Naguya Pin about the presence of an ancient war hero in her court While Queen Pin pondered how to honor this visitor and simmered over the insult given by Shear's unannounced presence, a spy brought word of Shear Ido's intentions to the Gensum scribes. The many scribes were troubled by this news, for they had given Shear Ido license to hunt and kill Mara Sov. If Shear Ido murdered a guest of the queen under the scribes' remit, it would mean war and the end of the great awoken push for space. 
Historians were called to the court with bouquets of sweet flowers and grant money to speak of sheer Ido. She was one of Queen Ellisley's paladins, but she was an Ichilist who believed that we would one day be called to repay the gift of our awakening. Would she defy the queen's protection and murder a guest of the court, the scribes wondered? Oh, absolutely, the historian said, laughing. She was a terror. The scribes began preparations to flee the queen's court, as they foresaw Shir Ido's victory would be blamed upon them. Sensing uncertainty, many vital contractors and suppliers withdrew from the space program. The queen denounced the Jensum scribes as faithless and selfish, and her ecolist followers bristled in rage against the sanguine majority who had scuttled their dream of flight. Household turned against household, sister against brother, wife against wife. The whole world clenched their fists. Meanwhile, Shir Ido and Aldrin met each other on a net of woven lianus over a pool of heavy water. The light of the queen's reactors shimmered beneath them as they took their places. Aldrin wore a white chess piece of ceramic armor over a suit of black tasseled silk, and he wielded a long fractal knife whose cutting edge was nearly three times as long as the blade. Sheer Ido fought in the contoured blue-gray pressure armor of a paladin with the star of eight edicts blazoned on her chest. Before they began, Sheer Ido tore away the sheer curtain under the gardener's nook and looked in on Marasov. Are you afraid? she whispered, half in hatred, half in admiration, all in awe. Do you sweat? Does your breath come short? Mara pressed her hand to Sheer's faceplate and left no stain. She held Sheer's gauntlet to her heart so Sheer could feel her steady pulse and even breath. You don't care about him, Sheer pressed her. It would mean nothing if I maimed him? You ask the wrong questions, Mara said. But of you ask the right questions, Mara said, but of the wrong sibling. Then Sheer understood that she fought a man who would always express his love through loss and ordeal. She bowed to Aldrin and drew her knife. Aldrin bowed in mocking reply. They fought across the web of Leonis in a slow spiral, creeping like spiders, waiting for the motion of the web beneath to signal an instant of vulnerability. Then, the pounce. The clash, the blur of knives. Sheer Ido's straightforward prison-yard jabs against Aldrin's whirling, deceptive theater. All of knife-fighting is in the seizure and surrender of space. Neither would surrender to the close, the clinch, the berserk adrenaline-sick exchange of thrusts that would leave both dead. Aldrin began to cut away key Leonis to throw Sheer Ido's footing, and Sheer Ido countered by charging him to keep him off. At last, they fell together in the coolant pond. The fight was a draw, but it was only the first of three. And that ends that chapter. 
So this one kind of starts off with like the it, it, there's a lot of like consequences of actions throughout this first part of it where the the scribes are freaking out because they gave Sheer Ido like they they're like go for it go hunt Mara down go kill her we don't care we just want our space program and now that this is happening this is happening while Mara is a guest in the queen's court and so the scribes are seeing this as a oh shit if if she murders mara that's going to come back and be blamed on us because we gave we gave her full full permission and rights and information and everything to go do it um so then of course the uh sanguine uh all kind of rise up and they they pull all their everything they pull all their funding all their supplies all their everything for the space program that they, that's been developed and now the 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 scribes are all like well shit time to bail <laughs> yeah it's it's a lot of politicking um, yeah. that we're is is having repercussions as the scribes are trying to protect themselves and without revealing why they're trying to protect themselves <laughs> and so you have a lot of other factions going oh they're pulling out why are they pulling out oh absolutely you know? and and it's just having this cascading effect uh across the the society and now you're seeing like oh well part of the court doesn't want the space program to work but the other part does and it it become it becomes like whose side do you identify with you know even the citizenry um it, I'm not going to linger on this, but it, it, it would be like the political parties in the U.S. Uh, yeah, you've, you've got people that are literally coming against each other. You know, uh, it, it, in, based on the description, uh, ready to potentially fight each other to some degree over which side they believe in more. Um, yeah. That's- <laughs> but I, I want to draw... A, a point here that I think is also important. There's been a passage of time oh, that isn't yeah. isn't relevant at first. So when when the Jensum scribes gave Shir Ido permission and information to hunt Mara down, they did so in an era where the Jensum scribes were more powerful than the Queen, where they were the end all be all. Is this more of a time when they were still like the Paladin like? Or not paladin like uh, bard bard like where they were still telling their stories. Uh, Do we know? No, I I don't think so. Um, this is where they're more like the scientific pursuit. Gotcha, gotcha. Um, from my understanding, uh, and it, it it was like they they held more power than the queen. The yep. queen was just a figurehead that didn't mean anything, and the Jensen scribes ran the the higher echelons of awoken society. And they gave sure permission to, to hunt Mara down, but they have since fallen from power. Right. And are now the queen is again top dog. And like ages have passed, like entire eras of political control have passed while Shur was hunting down Mara. And when she finally finds her, it you know, who knows how many years have passed, perhaps hundreds. Uh, because time doesn't mean anything to the Awoken, and even though the scribes have fallen out of favor, it's still probably the same scribes that gave the the go ahead. Oh, I didn't even think of that because uh, they're all immortal. Right. It would absolutely still be the same 
because because as far as the timeline, I was I was curious. Like we know that the scribes uh, started off as bards, uh, telling stories uh, post the Odyssey War, right? Yeah, yeah. So and and the whole Theodicy War was the the war between the the Ecclesiast and the uh, Sanguine, the the people that thought. Yeah. We need to go back. We have a debt to be paid, and the people that are like, "Nah, we're good. This is paradise. This is the end of the universe." Uh, maybe not the end of the universe, but I, that's how I took it, it, from my point of view, at least. Uh, and and so like, there's a there's a line here that uh, that the historians uh, say about Shiraido. She was one of Queen Alice Lee's paladins, so one of like her elite guards, her elite uh, uh, personal guards. Uh, mm-hmm. But she was an icon. And an Echelist. So Sheer Ido was an Echelist. And Queen Queen yep. Alice Lee was not. She was a sanguine. Um yep. so that's a that's an interesting thought there. Like even even and and this could have been like a you know, maybe post because Alice Lee uh abjugated. She she gave up her throne, had I think Nagoya was Nagoya was right after her, right? Like it was just the two. It was it was Alice Lee then Nagoya, wasn't it? Um I think those are the only two named queens. I don't think there. I don't think there was any, any queens in between. I feel like they would. They would have put if there was, because that kind of a crucial position for even for a figurehead. Yeah. So I, I assume that yeah, it was it was Ausley and then Nagoya directly afterwards. Um, and I I don't see anything to to suggest otherwise. Right. Uh. But yeah, and, and well, what what I think might have happened with with Shear is she could have started as a paladin of Alice Lee because there there wasn't always this Ecclesiast and Sanguine factions like they oh, came sure. out however many years after the establishment of Awoken Society with the Diaserum. Uh, so she came could have along. very easily, yeah, she could have very easily started as a paladin and then decided after hearing the declaration that Alice Lee you know, cause the, the deicide of the entire Awoken peoples right. um, to switch sides. Right. And side with the Deuserum. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, so yeah, so the, like that, that, that obviously a lot of, a lot of politicalness in the beginning uh, or throughout mm-hmm. the, throughout this thing, uh, throughout this chapter. Uh, and then we get to the fight. We get to the round one fight. Um, that I like this fight is I, I love all three of these fights. I really do like the whole idea of like these two very skilled. I, I, I warriors, hunters, I like all of the above everything like these two very yeah. skilled awoken that are, they, they've got a, they've got a net strung over a thing of heavy water. Which is what heavy water is what's used to cool um nuclear reactors, and so like they string this net over it, and Aldrin's idea throughout this whole fight like he's he's very graceful, he's very you know whoosh whoosh swish swish swish, and uh sheer is very and and it even says it like prison stab <laughs> like. <laughs> Prison yard jabs. Prison yeah. yard jabs. Like, is she was she in prison at some point? Is is she running around with a shank on this web? <laughs> like, what is happening? Um, and the two of them are just going back and forth. And Aldrin, I I like Aldrin's approach to this. Like, 
start cutting like because we know we know this from from Uldren's past he measures himself by what he survives so even a loss even if it's a even if it's a straight loss if he survived it he sees himself as gaining something as as bettering himself as as whatever however you want to think of that and so for him to think of this in a way of like okay well I'll start cutting out webbing underneath her and start getting more less giving her less and less footing which by by proxy is giving himself less footing but he's he's just like I I'm, I'm going to keep moving keep keep whoosh 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 uh as he does and then of course they he ends up cutting them all out and they fall in the water anyway <laughs> but they're immortals so they don't they don't drown yeah they don't uh, i mean i i don't know that heavy water is innately poisonous or anything right right i just i was curious on the buoyancy of it right like cuz that's the whole thing with water is is humans uh well human <laughs> i mean this the physics of this place don't matter. It's a pocket universe. I can't apply. Right, we, don't, we don't know exactly how things work there. <laughs> I can't um, apply our physics to this universe. Say, I, I will. I will say uh, since since you bring it up anyway, um, heavy water is technically. Uh, it's not that there's an extra hydrogen because that would be a different molecule. Right. It is a isotope of hydrogen called. Um, I think it's deuterium. Deuterium. Um, so it's still, it's still H2O, but the H's are has, a, has a different isotope. The, are a, an isotope. Gotcha. Um, they have a different molecular weight. Yep. I believe is what it is. See, science is fun, kids. Yeah. And you can knife fight over a pit of it. Yes. Uh, Kia! <laughs> yeah. So they both fall in and it's a draw. One one of one one battle of three down. Yeah, one of three is is a draw. Um, so that brings us to our next chapter, which is Impotent Four. Uh, and it goes like this. Next, the fallen paladin and the hunter chose long guns and went out into the monsoon jungle to stalk each other. Sheer Ido selected a tiger spite. In 11 by 90 millimeter, with five round flock guidance and an internal stump. Aldrin chose a silent needle carbine with a cone snail payload. For six weeks, they stalked each other as the political situation grew more dire. He was the better hunter, stealthier in motion and at ease in the wilderness. But Sheer Ido was the better soldier. She had no respect for the systems of the jungle, and she knew how to use that to her advantage. She drove the animals into a frenzy with violence and disruption of habitat. Parrots and crows warned each other of Aldrin's stealthy stealthy hides, and jealous predators forced him off his carefully scouted trails. Sheer Ido caught him with his back against a rift lake and shot him as he tried to cross the lake bed. The wound was not mortal for the water ruined the terminal ballistics, but she had won the match. Your life is at stake, Mara warned her brother. Lose this final match, and you will... Am I simple? He snarled at her. The wound pained him terribly, but he would not risk more than a little... Analgesic? I'm assuming that's a 
antiseptic of some sort. Leave me my work, sister, or you leave me nothing at all. Now they would meet in air, air superiority over the Andeles. Charges under their seats would detonate if either of them left the engagement zone. Because of the small combat zone, Shir Ido chose a nimble, ermine tactical fighter and a payload of all-aspect heat-seeking missiles. Where will we receive these aircraft? Aldrin demanded. How can I trust the equipment? Shir Ido told him that one of the Jensen scribes would provide the aircraft and requested weapons from her personal stockpile. Very well, Aldrin sniffed. And we will have access to all the weapons these airframes can equip? Of course, Shir said. Those we cannot obtain can be replaced by training simulators. She was certain Aldrin's wound would cripple him. Then I will fly a dart, Aldrin said. The ancient interceptor had awful fire control, dismal maneuverability, and primitive weapons. A dart? Sheer jeered. Will you fly with its original weapons, too? You think you can beat me with rockets and a gun? I do, Aldrin purred. You accept those terms? She did. The two duelists took to the skies on a bright winter morning. After a fuel check, a, le- a telemetry squawk, and a terrain snapshot, they turned in towards each other from a hundred kilometers apart. Shira Ido descended for the terrain, knowing Aldrin's radar could barely separate her from the clutter. Aldrin came straight on. At eighty kilometers of separation, Aldrin called across the radio. Fox 3. Kill. Engagement over. Shear sneered at the bluff and prepared to climb into a snap attack when the killed alert flashed on her ermine training panel. She had forgotten that the darts intercept loadout when it had, less, when it had last served 70 years ago included an unguided air-to-air nuclear rocket. Aldrin had simulation killed her and everything else within several clicks. On the tarmac, Shira Ido threw off her helmet and parachute and knelt before Marasov. My lady, she said, as I have fought your brother to a tie, I leave my fate in your hands. Be more kind to me than you were to my lady, the Diaserum. Rise. Sure, Ido, said Mara. Let us take the stars together. And that's the end of that chapter. I, I love this one because of the two fights in this. They're so, they're so technical, and they even reference in-game stuff. Like at the very beginning, Sheer Ido selected a tiger spite. Like, mm-hmm. that's, a, that's a Dreaming City auto rifle you can go pick up right now. Uh, if you go to the... Um, what is it? The the I can't think of the terminal in the helm, uh, but not the Crown of Sorrow, the other terminal. You can actually go focus yeah, your last season. Yeah, yeah. You can focus your umbrals uh, into Dreaming City weapons, and one of them that can drop is a Tiger Spite. Um, so I, like that's super cool. And then of course Aldrin, it talks about him having a, a silent needle carbine. Well, that's just a that's just a scout. So basically, he's got 
a uh, um, vouchsafe. Vouchsafe. Yeah. Yeah. So they're just they're just running around with with Dreaming City weapons. Now that now it's important to note here, they're running around with Dreaming City weapons before the Dreaming City. They haven't even left the distributary. Like they're still mm-hmm. in their pocket universe with these guns. So that's a that's an interesting thing to kind of keep in the back of your mind that some of the stuff that was that that we see in game was brought with them presumably from the distributary into this universe. So that's that's kind of a neat a neat thing there. Uh um, I w- I wonder if it was that they were brought with them or that they used those designs to make weapons in our system because our tiger spite shoots bullets. So this and... one this one uh uh talks about 11 by 90 millimeter uh now granted <laughs> It says five round flock guidance with an internal sump. I'm assuming uh, the flock guidance would be literally guided bullets, and then the sump would be a regenerating, like it. a regenerating ammo yeah. theme thing. The other one, the carbine with the cone snail payload, I'm assuming is like um, uh, armor piercing or high cal, okay. something like that. But eleven by ninety yeah. would eleven by ninety millimeter would be a a round. The closest I found uh, as a Google search was eleven by sixty, uh, which is still a pretty pretty thick bullet. Like it's yeah. For for reference, um, uh, seven six two by I think it's fifty nine millimeter is what a AK forty seven fires. Um, five point five six is what a, a M sixteen fires. So. 11 by 90 would be about twice as thick as a 5.56, so a little bit, almost a 45 caliber thickness round. Jesus, these are some, these are some wow. fat rounds yeah. by 90 millimeter. Like, so it's, we're talking a, a almost a, four, almost bigger than a 45 long Colt. Like, <laughs> these are some and fat I, and rounds. And an automatic rifle. Yeah. Yeah. These are some fat, <laughs> holy shit. Tiger's bite might be pretty damn good. Um, so yeah, and then I, I love the, I love the aspect that they fight with this, like, uh, sheer, I, like, obviously Aldrin's the hunter in this aspect, so he's, he's all about the tracking, the trails, like, you know, finding the disturbed brush here and there, and, and Sheer is, is completely disregarding everything, like, she's fighting it like a straight up, like, I'm I'm just gonna mess with everything around him to completely throw off his scent, which is kind of brilliant. Like, I really like it. Um, she's taking away his advantage. She absolutely, goes, oh, you you have an advantage over me in the forest. I'm gonna disrupt the forest absolutely. and take that advantage away. Absolutely, which is, which is interesting because this is kind of like the like you still see that like brute force strength fighter in her that we saw in the first round where she was you know mm-hmm. prison yard jabs and she's just you know very brute strength in it. Um, Whereas Aldrin is is still trying to rely on his his finesse, his swish swish swish. Um, <laughs> that's that's gonna be my new name for him. <laughs> swish 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 master. Uh, so yeah. Um, and then of course, so he, she ends up catching him off guard. He catches a bullet. You know, sucks to suck. He loses that round. Uh, which then Mara's like, hey, you, you know, this is this is. Essentially, one nothing right now because the first round was a tie. You lose this next one, 
your your life is forfeit. That's it. You, that's game over for you. You're dead. And he's like, oh, come on. Like, get, I got this. I got this, sis. Uh, and then this this air superior. Like, I will never get over this. I this is still. <laughs> it just blows my mind. So they they're given they're given ships with explosives strapped to the seats. They're given an engagement zone, and if they leave this zone, the the ship just automatically blows up. Boom! That pilot is dead. You know that pilot loses. It's such a small zone that Sheer Ido again trying to figure out the the weakness of the other side. Like how do I how do I gain the upper hand here? Chooses a super fast, super nimble fighter. You know. All sorts of heat-seeking missiles and and all sorts of stuff. Like I got this, I got this. And Aldrin's kind of like, it's almost like Aldrin like takes a second to think about it, and he's like, so we so whatever whatever ship we get, we get everything with it, right? Like all the guns, all the payload, all the everything. And Chiara's like, yeah, sure, of course. If we if we if we can't find it, we'll just simulate it. And he's like, all right, I'm gonna choose a dart, which. From the description of this thing, it's got to be this like, port. It's it's. I think of it as like the Millennium Falcon, like it's a cargo ship, <laughs> but for some reason yeah. is the greatest cargo ship in the history of cargo ships. Like it's this big bulky thing versus an X-wing fighter, and the, the X-wing is this, this nimble little pee 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 pee. Like this this is ridiculous, right? Like this is like a. Shears looking at this as like a one-sided fight. Like you're, this is a joke, right? Like there's no way this is serious. Mm-hmm. And he's like, "Nah, you, that's what I want." And she's like, "Okay, let's go." So they go. Literally, <laughs> what? Barely, barely five seconds into this engagement, Aldrin, Aldrin squawks up his radio. Kill, kill confirmed. <laughs> engagement over. And Shears like, "You got." Come on. We haven't even started. Like, what is wrong with you? And then, sure enough, the little indicator lights up on our panel. Kill confirmed. Because he simulated firing a nuclear air-to-air rocket, killing not only Shiraido, but technically himself and everything within several kilometers. <laughs> like, I, Which I, begs the question, <laughs> if these, if, if, that wasn't a simulated nuke because they don't have this they didn't have the nuclear missiles to actually supply it with its original loadout. Right. Would he have still done it if it were I real? I don't know. Like that's the question, right? Because he measures himself by everything he survives. If he fires a nuke and survives it, that's the ultimate like I've survived everything. Like what else do you put yourself up against? Well, and and also he knows that like the well-being of his sister is at stake. Oh, absolutely. And he he has shown time and time again he will do anything. Literally anything. Like that this that and that that thought process of he will do anything for her definitely started back on on Extra's Green with the with Oh, absolutely. And has just amplified itself over the years of he will literally do everything for anything for not, not just everything for it. He will do anything for her. And it, and it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's that level of devotion, that level of dedication that he has to her. That is just, like, it's, I don't know. I, 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 
it's borderline like intoxicating, right? Like it's it's like I I don't know how to think of the, of this relationship between them of and and even 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 in the last uh uh or two entries before the last entry of our of our last episode where Mara like orders him into her into place with sheer with just a level of confidence that's just like she it doesn't even phase her to put his life on the line. So it's it's that relationship between the two of them is I don't I don't I don't know how to describe it. It's it I I want to say toxic on one end, like toxic on Mara's end, like she's willing to just throw her brother away, but then like intoxicating on the other end, like her brother's willing to throw himself away at anything that his sister asks of him, like I don't what the the way that I have settled on looking at it is that Aldrin Aldrin is addicted to Mara's approval. Oh. Like he he in the same way that someone, you know, can have an addiction to, you know, any vice, like he is addicted to Mara's approval. Specifically that approval. And, oh, that's a, that's and brilliant. And she knows it. And so she uses that to get him to do what she wants him to do. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. That's that's brilliant. I like that. Addicted to her approval. Not just not like addicted to her as a person, not addicted to like, this is my sister, I need to protect her, I need to do anything I can for her, I need to, you know, give myself to her for whatever she needs me for. But literally that approval, addicted to that approval. I like that. I really like that. Um so of course this this ends in in sheer sheer idol losing. I put that in quotation marks. Um Right, yeah. And then of course she goes in tomorrow, like so essentially it's a draw, right? Like round one, draw, round two, Aldrin, round or round round two, Sheer, round three, Aldrin. So it's one one and one 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 is essentially what it is. So it's it it's <laughs> best of three came down to a one it still ended up in a one one one. Uh so she she kind of gives herself tomorrow is like, all right, I do with me what you will, whatever. Um, just you know, don't kill me. Like you did the diaserum, or at least like I think you did the diaserum. Uh, mm-hmm. And she's and the the line here, rise sheer Ido, let us take the stars together. There, there is, there is so much in that sentence, in that in that little blurb there, that had that plays later on that I like I'm thinking of future events that are coming down the line mm-hmm. in this story mm-hmm. and it's it's starting to it's starting to like this is the beginning. This is the beginning of Mara and Shiraido. Yeah, and even in, in the last chapter, um when Shir was it, it fully intending to, to just murder Mara um one of the reasons she couldn't is because she was equally like captivated by her yep uh and even in the first challenge in the first fight against aldrin she doesn't go find her opponent first she goes she goes and finds where mara is to hide i'd say hiding out where mara is is observing the fight and she's asking mara questions and mara's telling her like you're asking the right things, but you shouldn't be talking to me right now. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, and it, it's I think that's also a little hint that there's like, sure is just has this 
innate attraction to yeah. Mara. She she's seeking her out, whether she knows it or not. So that I I think that starts to say something about Mara herself, like the fact that that other people are are and and again that cult of personality started all the way back on the X's screen, and it's just carrying forward, and and we're starting to see people just slowly become intoxicated with her, like. Obviously, Sheer's just going to be the first of many, and and I don't think that she's the first to become that level of intoxicated with with Queen Mara. But I mean, it's it, she's starting to truly. I don't want to say live up the 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 cult of personality, but she is. It, it's she knows that that people mm-hmm. are starting to become aware of 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 her not not just in, of her beauty but of her abilities of her presence of her aura in a in a in a given space so yeah that's yeah that's lots lots of interesting things kind of clicking in my brain for like past events leading into what i know are future events and so yeah I, i'm lots of connections are being made here <laughs> so that brings us to this next chapter which is the final chapter in this impotent kind of arc, I guess. Um, so this is chapter 20 of Marasena, impotent five. And it goes like this. The subsonic roar of the solid rocket boosters crosses the threshold from noise to motion. To hear it is to feel it, and to feel it, is to remember that you are a sack of fluid and gel much more than you are a solid entity. Membranes and gradients, solutes and films, a body is a mingled thing. Mara thinks of this as she watches the launch vehicle discard its boosters and climb away through the clouds. The Awoken could have been angels. Instead, they are flesh. That's that. Queen Naguya Pin rises from her portable throne, unfolding two heads taller than Mara. Choose your replacement. My work is done, and I will stomach no more. Mara smiles at her. Is a queen's work ever done? Oh, don't insult me, Queen Pin clucks. She brushes wind-blown pollen from her trousers. Today's launches have blasted the spring trees with hot wind. You used me to do your work, politically and scientifically. You used me to bundle up the scribes in a neat little scroll for your disposal. I went along with it for the sake of the monarchy, Mara, not because I'm a fool. I don't know what you want or why you're so bent on keeping the Awoken uneasy and dissatisfied. I don't know how you manipulate the acclamations. But when I abdicate, I am going to find Alice Lee wherever she's gone and ask her all the questions I have about you. I'm very interested to know the answers. You've been a wonderful queen, Mara says. No one will ever replace you. Although she's already thinking of Devna Tell, who was never one of the scribes and whose coronation would make a wonderful rebuke to the scribes' remaining ambitions. Sheer Ido meets her by the ship. We'll need a new queen, Mara tells her, leaping up the side of the ramp. Word on the satellite? 
still burning for the Langreen point. What have you done to Naguya? Given her too much perspective, I'm afraid. Just as this observatory satellite should help the Awoken see things from Mara's point of view, she smiles as she helps her bodyguard up the ramp, sheer indulgently pretending she needs Mara's hand for help. Aldrin should be the one on the ground in, Kamar- in Kamarina by now. We'll have a go-ahead on the inferometer buyout when he's done. There are new stars in the sky. Mara put them there. Huge distributed array telescopes orbit the distributary's cool sun. Gravity wave sensors and cold primordial neutrino detectors spider the crust. Out-of-shell corporations and seed investments, she has opened her world as an enormous eye and focused it heavensward. Sheer Ido was her smiling public avatar these past decades, while her brother handled enforcement. The days of covert speed chess in the Queen's Court are over. Sheer Ido's open endorsement made Mara the face of ecolism and armed Mara with the blackmail over all the Jensen scribes still in power. Yet she has never been so lonely or so worried for the future. Mother has told her that she, Mara, uses her power over Aldrin too freely, that she must learn to stop, or her mother will no longer be her friend. Mara, Shear says, catching some flickering expression. Knowing Mara well, she immediately changes tact away from comfort. What do you think we'll find with the satellite? Proof that it's time for us to go, Mara says. Proof of what I've known since the beginning. Sheer frowns in thought. She doesn't remember much from her awakening, from before her awakening. Few of the 891 do, but enough to trouble her. Time for us to go, she says. The ship's turbines keen up to speed and then settle into a whisper-quiet cruise. Sheer reaches to strap herself across from Mara, impulsively, hard-faced, denying she needs what she is asking for. Mara scoots aside to make room on her bench. Sheer raises an eyebrow at her. Don't say anything, Mara warns her. Not a word. And so, they pass the flight in silence, but not alone. And that's the end of that one. So, yeah. The love has begun. Mutual respect, at the very least. I, I mean, it, You call it what you want. Mara the love is, has begun, is what I'm saying. Mara is seeking out Shur's presence for companionship, if nothing else at this point. Love has started to blossom and bloom, like the like the daffodils of the spring. Su- no, I'm not going into that. Okay, uh, <laughs> so this one starts off with with uh, talking about Mara putting uh, more more stars in the sky, talking about satellites. 
Yes. And I like I've always been a uh uh <laughs> I don't want to say a, a space buff, but I I I love I I've always been obsessed with with space flight and and stars and astronomy and all that. So this 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 chapter I I really liked as well. Um you know the 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 description of the of the rocket just blasting in in into into the atmosphere through the clouds, you know, and then to to feel it like to to feel the 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 concussion blast from the from the rockets igniting on the launch pad into into space and watching the boosters fall away to the to the payload being delivered into orbit like it's i all of that just like well oh, gave me chills um and this whole time that that uh, this is happening uh Mara and Queen Pin are are talking like they're they're observing this happening and they're kind of like like Queen Pin is definitely like she knows something's up. She 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 doesn't know what, but she's like, when I leave, when I abjugate, I'm gonna go find Alice Lee wherever the hell she's hidden herself, or you've hidden her, whatever. And I'm gonna ask her every question I have about you because all I want is answers. And yeah, it like Mara just kind of brushes her off with that. Like it's the the line that Mara uses to brush her off. You've been a wonderful queen. No one will ever replace you. Just completely brushes aside every the whole conversation like it's nothing. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, and then you know, already thinking of future replacements of 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 queens and stuff. And then of course that's when Shirido, she meets Shirido at at their ship. To, I'm presumably to return to the palace or return to wherever. Um, you know, still talking about the the. You know, we'll need a new queen. You know, how's what's what's the what's what's the word on the satellite? Um, so yeah, it, there there's no real like there there's nothing big for the rest of this other than like <sighs> I'm gonna call it the love the the blossom of love. That's what I'm gonna call it because it, I mean you call it mutual respect. That's what I'm calling it. I'm calling it blossom of love between Sheer and Mara. Because this whole time, like, Sheer can't even like, she she, it's that it's that like she starts to talk to Mara and then like like changes her look to try to like be be a little little more stoic, a little more tact and and rather than like comfort rather than loving. So it's, it's like Sheer's not trying to come. It's it's <laughs> it's like watching Sheer fall in love with with Mara is what I think of it as. And so yeah, so it, you know. And it's worth mentioning that, um, like we talked about, there was already kind of this like uh, attraction of sorts when yep. they first met, and now by by count of of this chapter, they've been working together for decades. Yeah, at this time point. is really passing now. I mean, the 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 ship that that Aldrin used, they talked about how that one was seventy years old, and now here in this chapter, like their decades are passing, so time is flying by here and that's that's definitely something to keep keep in your mind when you're when you're listening to these books is that time is hauling balls in here like Mm -hmm. there's lots of time between passages and i think that also just kind of shows that like time doesn't matter to the awoken like it's it's not a concept that touches them in any meaningful way because they don't have they they never die from it 
Like, what what is time to an immortal? What is what is a thousand years to a person who lives forever? That that I think one of the most one of the hardest things to describe is forever, is infinity, is the continuation of 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 eternity. Like to say a hundred years, that's a definitive thing. That's a like a a, a human like it, it's it's funny because we talked about this before, like in in like our light and dark series and stuff like that, like numbers that a human mind can conceive that can perceivably conceive and that's why we use terms like one billion because the human mind can 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 see and interpret the number one and then the word billion but when you actually see it written out as one with nine zeros behind it the human mind can't comprehend how much that is it's it's just it's it's such a overwhelming amount of something that it, the the human mind just kind of like okay yeah whatever that's it's just, it's a lot at that point and so yeah to what is what is a what is a million what's what's a billion years to an immortal you know like that's yeah but yeah so they it, they they of course they end this like sheer starts to sit down in her seat and then Mara kind of like scooches over on the bed it's like come come sit here but then like that <laughs> I love the ending. Don't say anything. Not a word. <laughs> it's it's almost like Mara is finally accepting the the Well not not just accepting, she's inviting yeah. in this case. Yeah. For for Sheer to sit next to her. Yeah. To, to be close. To 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 let the love blossom. <laughs> I love it. I fucking love it. So, this brings us to uh, the next chapter, which is entitled Catabases. Oh, shit. Chapter 21. This guy again. <laughs> Not the Guardian from the Glycon <laughs> in this case. Uh, although, it's, wor- it's worth mentioning again that Catabases, the word, uh, means a descent. Um, typically, in, in the the greek the ancient greek that it derives from it was typically referred to as a descent into the underworld um but generally speaking it is a a trip um to to somewhere far away yeah i'm i'm now curious though was catabases an awoken i don't know uh I don't think we can see any bit of his body when he's hanging in the glycon. I think he's all armored up. All armored um, up and all... I can't even call it tentacled up anymore. We have words for it now. It's all egregored up. Egregored up? Yeah, I don't know that that's better. <laughs> <laughs> Dark, darkness inhabits his body now. <laughs> but this is not, this is not Katabasi's the, the Guardian. No, this is not Katabasis the Guardian. This is Katabasis in the sense of a journey. Uh, and this chapter goes like this. Mara looks into the camera and lets the fire in her eyes speak. They are waiting on her. The distributaries millions, her awoken people. She has stoked their curiosity with 30 years of painstaking analysis. 
When they look up at the night sky, they see the stars of her observatories among the crowded bands of habitats, the spindly orbital factories, towering elevator counterweights, the burning roads of matter streams. Let me tell you of our world, she says. These are the facts of tectonics and atmosphere, of water and climate, the parameters of the sun that feeds them. No infants died last year. No child went unfed. No youth came of age illiterate. No one suffered illness who might have been treated. We have long surpassed the Utec gathered from the ship spire. Yet we have grown carefully and cleanly. We have eluded pollution, eradicated plague, and chosen peace. No Maltech weapon has been discharged in centuries. Our atomic weapons were dismantled before they could ever be used. We are our own triumph. She has elected not to use graphics or theater. She would rather they remember her face. You know yourselves, she says. So let me tell you of your cosmos. We live in a spatially infinite isotropic universe 12.1 billion years old. Its metallicity is ideal for life and for the spread of technological civilizations. In time, the distance between all points in the universe will contract to zero, and the cosmos will collapse into a singularity to be reborn in fire. There will be no end to eternity here. She pauses. She waits. The whole world is out there, begging for the answer to the question. Our world is a gift, and we must refuse it. They are awoken. They love secrets. They will wait for her to explain. We have detected a pattern that was imprinted into our universe by its ancestor. A fingerprint of the initial conditions into which existence was born. From this information, we have confirmed the most primordial of awoken myths. Our universe is a subset of another. We live within a singularity, a knot in space-time that orbits a star in another world. Conventional relativity would suggest that time outside an event horizon passes quickly compared to a clock within. But our universe has a peculiar relationship with its mother. Thousands of years have passed for us on distributary. Outside? Centuries, at most. We are a swift eddy in a slow river. These ideas may not surprise you after centuries of theorizing and philosophy, but we have decrypted new data from the cosmic microwave and neutrino background signals. We have discovered voices. The voices of distress calls. They tell a story of bravery, of war, 
and of desperate loss. We were not always immortal. We did not earn this utopia by covenant with any cosmic power or by obtaining an enlightened moral condition. We are refugees. We fled from an apocalyptic clash between our ancestors' civilization and an invading power. She lowers her eyes. The signals we have retrieved tell us that our ancestors were on the edge of defeat, perhaps extinction. It is time that we accept our debt. Distributary is a refuge, not a birthright, a base to rebuild our strength, not a garden to tend. I ask you, Awoken, to join me in the hardest, most worthy task a people has ever faced. We must leave our heaven, return to the world of our ancestors, and take up the works they abandoned. If some of them survive, we must offer aid. If they have enemies, we must share our strength. We must go back to the war we fled and face our enemies there. She lets them dangle a moment before she drives it home. We have also determined that our birthright, our immortality, is tied to the fundamental traits of this universe. Once we leave, we will begin to age again. In time, we will all die. Will you join me, Awoken? Will you answer my call? All I offer you is hardship and death. All I ask of you is everything you can offer. But you will see a light of older starlight, and you will walk in a deeper dark than this world has ever known. And that's the end of that chapter. So that's the, uh, that's the journey to be taken, to, to travel back. Like, this is, this is, oh, oh, I'm not going to cry, I promise. Uh, <laughs> so she's, it, it's tough. It, she, she has put out yeah. a open broadcast like to press the conference. entirety of the Awoken people uh, saying, you know, this is everything there is to know about our universe. And everyone that's here we've confirmed that we're only here because we ran away from a fight and i and i like how she does it too i like i like how she starts off with let me tell you of our world and then she goes through this whole list you know nobody's nobody's grown up illiterate nobody's there's no plague there's no pollution that like no weapon has just been discharged in centuries I mean, this is this is a utopia. This is a, this is officially becoming a utopia, and it's taken twelve point one billion years to get to that point. That's that's the part that always blows my mind. I want I want to reread this this paragraph here again. You know mm-hmm. yourselves, she says. Let me tell you of your cosmos. We live in a spatially infinite. So literally, it, it goes on forever. It's it's like an infinite world in Minecraft. You just keep going in one direction, and you will never run out of new territory. 
isotropic universe. That one I'm going to have to figure out how to break down. 12.1 billion years old. So isotropic, that'd be like an isotope of an atom. So like basically like a subset, like a like a kind of like what we were talking about with the heavy water, uh, the a different uh, uh, isotope of helium, but still or hydrogen, not helium, hydrogen, but still hydrogen. So still a still a universe of a of a bigger universe, just a different isotope. Its metallicity is ideal for life and the spread of technological civilizations. So literally, this place exists solely to advance technology and let life flourish. In time, the distance between all points in the universe will contract to zero, and the cosmos will collapse in a singularity to be reborn in fire. There will be no end to eternity here. Basically, she's saying this place is going to collapse eventually. Like it's. It, I mean, it's the same theory as our current universe. Absolutely, it's all just it's all just going to collapse into nothing, and and yeah, it's this 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 isn't the paradise that everyone thinks that it was. Like she's she's basically affirming to everyone, hey, the eclipse idealistic thought isn't just a it's it's no longer a religion it's no longer an idea this is we've sent satellites to observe everything this is now fact we have a debt to be repaid to the larger cosmos that that exists outside of the distributary and and to tell them like we have to give all this up like we've got to go back we've got to repay this debt we've got to you know and and even telling them the, the whole time the passage of time Thousands of years have passed for us in here. Well, technically billions of years, right? <laughs> Outside, centuries at most. So time in, in the soul system that they, that, that they have escaped from has continued. Obviously, that time has continued to move forward, but at an incredibly different rate than what time is happening inside the distributary, inside this pocket universe, inside this black hole that is just circling the sun right now. Mhm. Yeah. And she she paints the picture of of their utopia of this perfect place where they will you know have immortal lives um and then makes the request that they have to abandon it. They have yeah. to refuse this gift. It is time that and, we accept uh, our debt. And and she tells them, you know, I all I'm asking you is to do the hardest thing that is there has ever been to do. All I'm offering you is endless hardship. But you will see an older starlight and walk a deeper dark than this world has ever known. I uh, Yeah. like it's so hard not to want to cry at this like asking an immortal people to give up their immortality for what some of these people i mean she's talking about millions now remember when they first Mm -hmm. came to the distributary it was forty thousand eight hundred ninety one people or bodies at least consciousnesses that has come to the distributary they're in the millions now easily 
you know, an entire, obviously an entire world's worth of, worth of people that some of these people, have, they, this is all they've ever known is the distributary. They've never known the cosmos and ask them, Hey, give all this up to go to, to go. And it, it I like that analogy too, because it's very similar to the way that Mara growing up in space colonies viewed earth as home but a home to visit you know like it's it was she's it's almost like she's seeing the soul system as that original home as like this is where mm-hmm. we came from we still need to we still need to go back there and yeah it just oh 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 all the feels in this one so needless to say, Mara is asking people to travel back, to leave the distributary, travel back to the soul system, to either continue the works of the people that once lived there, or if there are a people that yet remain, to, to lend them their strength. Um, and she, you know, she's intending to leave. And she's trying to get as many people as possible to go with her uh, via this this public address. Um, and she she knows and she doesn't get everybody to go with her, but some do. And before that fateful flight, she has a few stops to make first and a few records to set straight. Uh, and that leads us into our next chapter which i think i'm probably just going to read the next one and the one immediately after it back to back i figured um, so they're they're pretty tied together there cuz it's all technically part of the same conversation yep uh so the chapters we're going to be looking at are nigh 1 and nigh 2 which are 22 and 23 of marasena um, and you know, people may have heard the term nigh before, but uh, it to to give some context, it means a short distance away or almost, uh, something that is almost there or or has almost happened. So, like like when people say the end is nigh, that's like it's near, it's gonna be soon. Yeah. Um. Nigh one goes like this. Mara's ship touches down a polite two kilometers from the pearl groves, and she looks out across mazes of channel and tidal pond to the compounds of ancient silver-white stone beyond. Two-ton oysters glitter in the shallows, their shells jeweled with mineral inclusions. Seabirds peck and fret along narrow white beaches. Mara lifts up her black formal skirts and begins her long walk into Alice Lee's retreat, the sanctuary of former queens. Mara, Aldrin whispers through her throat mic, don't do this. Take Sheer with you at least. But she has to do this or she'll never be able to face herself again. The sun batters at her. She hides under a parasol, but heat gathers in the folds of her garments, in the soles of her shoes. 
When she squints against the glare, she thinks she can see the shining grains of her fleet in orbit. The hulls, built under UTEC supervision to the specification of radically post-conscious AI that will one day fly between worlds. It is far too late to stop the project now. Far, far too late for second thoughts. Exactly 12.1 billion years too late. For Mara in particular. Mara kicks the sand and trudges on. She's in a foul mood when she reaches the old queen's house, but the sight of Alice Lee sitting on the porch with a battered tea service makes her smile. Thank you for seeing me, Mara says. Thank you for coming. I was afraid you'd leave the universe without saying goodbye. Alice pours a cup of cool blackberry tea. Have a seat. How's Queen Tell? She has declined to endorse my expedition, Mara admits, tucking her feet beneath her on the wide wooden deck chair. The tea is too sweet, but so blissfully cool. I'm sure you understand her reasons. You mean she's declined to endorse the sudden violent severance of tens of thousands of threads from the tapestry of our society? How surprising. Alice looks Mara over critically and then sits back to sigh. A scribe once told me the definition of a utopia is a place where every single person's happiness is necessary to everyone else. You're going to make a lot of unhappy people, Mara. You'll make the lives of everyone in the world tangibly worse. Not just those you've lured to certain death, but those who will grieve their departure and all those who will come to grieve for lack of labor and knowledge that you took with you. My people volunteered. Your mother told me so, Alice says. It is one thing for you to have a particular power over people, but another thing entirely to deny that you are using it. You once told me, Mara counters, that I had to consider the symbol people made of me. That if it were good, then I had to be that symbol for them. I had to perform as they required. I have done so. I have been the best thing I can think to be. Is this the best you can think to be? Alice says with very practiced neutrality. Mara drinks her tea in delicate silence. The old queen sets her cup down, hard enough to chip. Mara jumps in quiet shock. The tea service is an heirloom from Shipspire. Her face hardens with the power of ancient command. Mara, I'm at least as clever as you are. Do me the credit of acknowledging it. I have worked for many hundreds of years to arrange this outcome. Mara says, forthrightly, but without the courage to look at Alice Lee in the eyes. I have nurtured and tended the Ecolus belief so that there will always be awoken who feel uncomfortable in paradise, guilty for the gift of existence in distributary, people who will come to me. I know, 
Alice lays a hand on Mara's, and for a moment, the touch almost makes Mara sigh in gratitude. To be seen, to be known, without revulsion. Then Alice's old strength pins her palm to the table. The diaserum, she hisses. The theodicy war. Did you arrange it all? No, Mara says, which is a lie told with truth. Do you understand what you have done? Have you reckoned the full cost? She has convinced tens of thousands of Awoken to abandon their immortality. She has deprived distributary an infinite quantity of joy, companionship, labor, and discovery. All the works that might be accomplished by all the people who will join her in her mission to another world. When she lies awake at night, seized by anxiety, she tries to tally up the loss in her head but it is too huge, and it becomes a formless thing which stalks her down the pathways of her bones like the creak of a gravity wave. Some infinities are larger than others, she tells her old captain. I believe we are here for a reason, and this is the way to fulfill that purpose. And how much would you sacrifice? Your mother, your brother, are the Awoken real to you at all? Alice leans across her pinned hand, viper fierce, striking. Do you think my people were made to die for you? Not for me. For our purpose. For our fate. For a home we abandoned. It's in the charter, Mara, the document on Shipspire, that, and even Alice Lee falls into a hush as she broaches one of the primal mysteries, her memory of creation. That shaped the way I made this universe? You were the first, Mara acknowledges. The first one here laid down the rules. Alice Lee releases her hand and collapses back into her chair. Why are you here, Mara? to tell you the truth at last, to ask you for that boon you owe me. At last, Alice sighs. Well, I knew the day would come. I think I'll be glad to have this weight off my shoulders. You'll ask me to throw my support behind your mission, won't you? The First Queen says go with Mara, awoken from this dream, and go fight for your home. Is that it? No, Mara says with her heart in her throat, with trepidation bubbling in her gut. You cannot keep a secret buried like a vintage for so many centuries and then unbottle it without any ceremony. The boon I ask is your forgiveness. Then she explains the truth. She tells Alice Lee what she did about the choice Alice Lee would have made if Mara had not made her own first. It's only an extension of what Alice has already deduced. When she's finished, her ancient captain's jaw trembles. Her hands shake. A a keen slips between her clamped teeth. The oldest woman in the world 
conjures up all the grief she has ever felt, and still it is not enough to match Mara's crime. You are the devil, Alice whispers. I remember, in one of the old tongues, Mara means death. (laughs) That's too perfect. That's too much. She laughs for a while. Mara closes her eyes and waits. You realize, Alice Lee says, this is the worst thing ever done. Worse than stealing a few thousand people from heaven. Worse than that thing we fled before we were awoken. Please, Mara begs. Please don't say that. Alice Lee rises from her chair. I'll support your fleet, she says. I'll use every favor and connection I have to get your hulls completed and through the gateway, and I will do it so that I can hasten your departure from this world. I will do it out of hate for you. I will do it so that every good and great thing we achieve here will ever after be denied to you, you snake. No forgiveness, do you understand me? It is unforgivable. Go. I'd be very grateful if you didn't tell my mother, Mara says. Alice Lee hurls the pitcher of blackberry tea over Mara, turns and goes inside, leaving her to trudge, wet and sticky, but unbowed back to her ship. She leaves her tea-stained parasol on the deck, but when she remembers it and looks back, it's already gone. That is the end of those chapters. All right, we got a lot to unpack here. <laughs> this might be the rest of the episode unpacking these two books. <laughs> All right. Holy crap. Uh, I, I, <laughs> whew, okay. <laughs> so this starts off with Mara touching down in, in this, in this area of, of, you know, Queens remembered, which is essentially two people, uh, Alice Lee yeah. and Nagoya Pin. <laughs> <laughs> Not sure why they have a whole area devoted, devoted to it, but whatever, it's fine. Right, yeah. So she she heads up to Alice Lee's place, and uh, you know, Aldrin's like, "Hey, no, 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 take take Sheer with you at least. You know, this this is, you know, do don't go alone." And Mar is very much like, "No, I've got to do this by myself. I've got to, I've got to do this." Um, and so she's she's heading up there. You know, she looks into the sky. She thinks she can see like the holes of her ships being built that are that are gonna head back through the through the the gateway, the the distributary, and she she gets up to to Alice Lee's place, and she's sitting there on the porch, uh, with her tea, which is very very similar. It's it's identical to the to the scene that that we saw all the way back in the Exodus Green, where she's she's making green. Alice Lee is sitting there in her captain's uh chamber and making green tea and and butchering it butchering the ceremony by filling yeah. it full of milk from that cow thing down on the lower decks and 
So very, very ceremonious tea ceremony happening here between the two of them. Uh, and, you know, they're, they're kind of having their small talk, you know, like, how's the new queen? How's queen tell? So, you know, that's, that's definitely the queen that Mara was thinking, eh, this will replace pin. And, you know, there's this person will replace pin and that'll be a little, you know, stick in the side to the, to the, the Jensen's. Um, so yeah, so that, that's, you know, that's confirmed the, the new queen. Uh, which, you know, Mara kind of, kind of answers her question with a, with a, an interesting statement. You know, she's declined to endorse my expedition. So rather than tell, mm-hmm. you know, rather than tell Alice Lee, you know, the, oh, the queen's doing fine. She's doing great. Just like the one thing, like, yeah, she, she doesn't like me. She doesn't want to, she doesn't want to, uh, endorse my thing. Uh, and then of course, Alice Lee's like, oh, well, obviously, like, you're asking her to endorse a trip that's going to separate millions of lives. Like, you know, husbands are going to leave wives and wives will leave wives and daughters will leave sisters and brothers will leave husbands and all that, like everything. Like it's, it's almost, it's almost like death, right? Like the awoken people hold individual life so highly because they are immortal. And we saw this in the theodicy war where like even a single death is depriving the rest of human, the re- well, I say the rest of humanity, the rest of awoken society from not just that person, but all of the knowledge that that person could have had, all of that labor that that person could have contributed to the society as a whole is being deprived from them. And so even, even a single life leaving this quote-unquote utopia is, is a, is a, it's blasphemous, right? It's, it's borderline blasphemous. And so, she, you know, she's telling she's telling Mara like, you know, you're gonna make a lot of people unhappy. Like, but it's it's interesting the line that she used here, and 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 it's, I I kind of drew different different ideas from this line. And she says, a scribe once told me that the definition of a utopia is a place where every single person's happiness is necessary to everyone else. And and I took that sentence by itself because I thought about that. And would the distrib and and I came up with this question: Would the distributary truly be a utopia if there's even one person that is unhappy? And in my mind, it's Mara would be the unhappy person. Mara is not truly happy being here, and so this place could technically never be a utopia while Mara is still here, because. Right the definition of a utopia being everyone happy for everyone else and Mara being one person. So, so that, it, that was an interesting thought to look at that sentence there. And then she goes on, you're going to make a lot of people unhappy. You know, you, the whole, everything of the lives of all these people have, that have woven together into this tapestry of this world are going to be torn apart. You know, like it's just, it, it's ridiculous. Like you're, you, you're crazy, you know? And then she, she reminds she then reminds her of of this this line that her her mother has said to her um and and the line is uh one thing it's one thing for you to have a particular power over people but another thing entirely to deny that you are using it and it's it's that exact same conversation they had back on the extra screen back when back when yep. she pulled her in the office and was like look you're you're creating a cult of personality, whether you, whether you like it or not. 
every time and 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 this was this was all, you know back in the extra screen every time you leave the ship you're you're risking your life to and if you die you these people are going to go in, insane for what for the loss that they've had and now she's just reiterating that here in the distributary as you know if you leave if you die essentially if you bring all this this stuff out of here you have such a power over your over everyone and and you don't even you don't even see it like it it but but i i and i know that mara sees it like i know she sees it but to alice she sees mara as just throwing all this stuff away as just throwing away the life of of the distributary of throwing away a woken society as a whole and just saying to hell with it we're going back you know but it's tomorrow it's it's more than that it's more it's that debt to be repaid and 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 she explains a little bit more later on and i'll get to that one here in a bit but uh you know she's like she she <laughs> mara kind of like kind of like just kind of like shrugs her off again and and that kind of quizzes or piss, pisses Alice Lee off, and she's like, "Look, I, I'm at least as smart as you. I'm at least as clever as you. Do me the credit of of just at least acknowledging it. Like, don't be, don't sit there and just be a silent ass. Like, come on, level with me. What the hell? What are you? What are you here for? Like, what is the deal here? And and for Mara to be like, you know, I've I've worked for hundreds of years to arrange this outcome. You know, I I I absolutely was behind the Echoless belief." Just so that there would be some awoken that would that wouldn't see this place as a paradise, they wouldn't see this place as a utopia. They'd want to go back, and so to nurture that for essentially billions of years, right? Like we we don't have an exact timeline of 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 like you know year one the gen subscribe started year two this, but I mean for the Eclis and the Theodicy War to be so far in the past to have another queen in place like it. This this has been billions of years in the making, and then then she Alice Alice Lee asks the question right like the Diaserum, the Theodicy War all of that are you behind it did you did you arrange all of this and Mara answers back with no which is a lie told with truth and it's it's interesting like. No, she didn't directly like lead the diaserum and create the Eichelis, but she kind of did because of what happens later on. But again, I'm I'm jumping ahead, but I I I want to get to that point so badly. Uh and so it's it's uh you know, she Mara's convinced hundreds of people, tens of thousands of people to leave to to give all that stuff up and you know, trying to tally that loss in her head, and and then she comes up with the idea of you know some some infinities are larger than others. I believe that we are here for a reason, and that is the way, and this is the way to fulfill that to fulfill that purpose. So basically, saying like telling her old captain, we're we're in we're we're in a pocket universe. We're we're in this world specifically to go back. This whole world was created for us to advance because time advances quicker here. We can evolve so much faster than we could on the other side, so we can go back and help the other side and to be part of the other side and to repay that debt. And, you know, 
the queen, the old queen would have nothing of this. Alice Lee is like, what? You'd sacrifice everything? Your your mother, your brother, every single awoken? Are they even real to you? Like, what? What? What are you? You know, what are you doing? And she, you know, she says, you know, I wouldn't have people die for me. I'd have them die for our purpose, for the purpose of the awoken, for the purpose of this universe, for the faith that's here, for for the and and and. Then Alice Lee even even shoots back to the Charter for a home we abandoned. Like we we said we were not part of society. Like calling up the old Charter from from the from the from the Exodus, saying we sent that message out to the blackness, saying we we are not part of the traveler. We are not part of humanity. We're not part of that society. We are going forward to make a new society for ourselves. To make a new home. For this, for our humanity that is on this ship, we we request to be treated separately as a separate entity, and and to move on. And so she still has that idea ingrained in her, it for for these billions of years, and and you know, then then says and and this is this is where it happens, and this is like, ah uh, ah, uh. she says uh. The, ch- the charter that shaped that that the way I made this universe, the way I shaped this universe, talking about herself, Alice Lee talking about how she was the first, and and Mara acknowledging that you were the first, the you know the first person in this world laid down the rules for the rest, and Alice kind of like I think I think it's worth pointing out yeah. how Mara says that. Um. Because she does a very deliberate. The, you were the first. Separation. Full stop. The first one here laid down the rules. And listening conversationally, it would be easy to infer that she's both statements are are talking about Alice, <laughs> but she's she's very deliberately choosing to pause there. Yep. And and that's when Alice kind of looks at her and, why are you here? And that. And and Mara replies, and 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 in her head. So this this is a two part sentence. So inside Mara's head, in her thoughts, she says to tell you the truth at last. And then out loud, she says to ask you for that boon you owe me, which is you know that favor she asked, presumably billions of years ago. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> and and Alice is like, finally, thank God, I'm gonna have this weight on my shoulders. And you know, she she's all she's presuming all this stuff. She's like, you're here to ask, you know, the first queen for her for her fate for the favor that you you asked for for her to endorse your trip for her to say, oh, this is the purpose of the awoken. And Mara replies with a simple no. And and all of this is leading up like this is all just bravado. This is all just a cer- a, a ceremony within a ceremony like. There's the tea ceremony, and then there's the ceremony of like Mara, kind of reconciling everything with her, with the with the first queen, with Alice Lee, with her old captain, and she comes back with with like you know, and and the way that she talked about it, you can't keep a secret buried like a vintage wine for so many centuries, and then just unbottle it without any ceremony, just you know, pop the cork, and, ah, let's pour champagne and rock and roll. Like there's got to be a whole ceremony to go with it. So that ceremony is. Her saying, "The boon I ask for you is forgiveness," and then she unleashes everything. And the truth is, Alice Lee 
was not the first awoken. Mara was the very first awoken. Mara created this universe. Mara created everything in it specifically to to let it advance forward to go back and help. She made Alice Lee believe that she was that she was the first so that way it would create this entire it it it's so intricate the 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 lie the first lie remember when we talked about it uh i i it, it wasn't last episode i think it was the episode before last or, or maybe it was last episode the the first lie you know like mara cuts herself off when she starts to describe everything cuz mara remembers everything because she created this universe from her mind like when she put her finger out and did the boop to you know boop the darkness on the nose and boop the the joining between the darkness and the pinprick of light on the nose and just boop opened up the the singularity opened up the black hole and dive basically dove in because she wanted to be the first and she was the first followed technically right after her by aldrin who is the next closest thing who also knows this secret. Who also knows the secret. Who also knows that that Mara was the first. He's the only other person in the entire Woken society that knows this secret. And the two of them, the brother and the sister, the Awoken... I mean, she's not the Awoken Queen yet, but the Awoken Queen, Mara Sov, and Prince Aldrin Sov are the only two that know the real secret. And and when Mara when Mara explains all this to Alice Lee, like it's it's Alice, it's too much. Alice looks at her and says, "You are the devil." Like <laughs> just holy shit. And then and then she just like she sits back and she's like, "You realize this is like the worst thing ever. Like this isn't just like." Oh, we've killed a few million Awoken. Oh, we're going to take half of Awoken society and, and travel back to a universe that half of those half don't even know existed. Didn't know existed until, you know, two days ago when you gave your big speech over the teleprompters and everything. Like, whatever. This is literally the worst thing ever. This is worse than the Theodicy War. This is worse than, you know, the Diaserum coming up and 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 accusing Queen Alice Lee of, of deicide, of of the murder of gods, the refusal of godhood from this people. This is even worse than that. And and worse than, worse than even running away. From running away before we were awoken. So even Alice and and it's just it Mara's just like, please. I I I get that you're mad. Don't say that. Like just give me a sec. She's like, no, 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 no. I'll support your little shit. I'll I'll give you my endorsement, all of that. I will not give you my forgiveness because this is an unforgivable crime and I'm doing all this to get you the hell out of my utopia, to get the hell out of out of this world, to to leave, to get out and take all of your crap with you. And it's it's just the only thing that Mara can say to her in response is please do not tell mom. And Alice just hucks the tea at her face, but you know, hits the wall behind her, it shatters, and you know, this this original tea set from 
the the ship spire, which is presumably the the extra screen ship. Uh, so yeah, it, and she, Mara gets up to walk away, and she she walks away all tea soaked and everything, doesn't even think anything about. It, gets about halfway to ship, turns back, realizes she left her 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 parasol on the, on the deck, and when she turns back to to get it, it's already gone. So presumably, Alice either picked it up and went inside with it, or the winds blew it off, or whatever. And so yeah, it's it's like this is it. This is the the lie finally revealed, and it's oh oh oh. Yeah, there's there's a few pieces that I wanna I wanna go back and uh and and touch on. Um, that you you went over, but I I want to offer some additional bits absolutely on them. Um, so when when Alice Lee is talking about the charter, mm-hmm. it's talking about the you know the this um, primal mystery of the Awoken, the the charter of the ship spire that she used to shape the universe. Remember the charter, the vote that was made. Majority vote was abandon Earth, continue the mission, yeah. continue onward. Mara voted to go back. Yeah. Even then. So she she has always wanted to return to Earth to defend, to uh right her wrong of fleeing, of of cowardice in her eyes. Um, as she as she described it, right when she first left, she talked to Aldrin about it, like, or or she didn't say it to Aldrin, but she she, she to herself she felt guilty for for bringing mm-hmm. Aldrin and her mother along on this trip to just be, you know, blipped away. And uh, and so that I I find that interesting that that is still ultimately the the divide in a woken society is. The people that want to stay and continue abandon Earth and continue the mission, and the the people that want to go back and help. That's that's just mind blowing. Do we stay or do we go? Is still the is still the. I mean, twelve point one billion years have passed, and and it's still that's still the question. That's still the question to be mm-hmm. answered. And the, the other bit is just to, to touch again on exactly what Mara is telling Alice here and, and the gravity of it. So Mara is saying, like, yeah, Alice Lee, you were the first one to come into existence. You were, you were the first corporeal awoken. But Mara was the one that created this universe and decided or or steered Alice Lee in her non-corporeal form before becoming flesh and blood, um, steered her to make the decision that the Awoken should remain flesh and blood. Because uh, they, they say here... Um, she tells Alice Lee what she did about the choice Alice Lee would have made if Mara had not made her own 
first. So presumably that, that means to me that Alice Lee would have made the choice for the Awoken peoples to remain as, you know, non-corporeal, truly immortal and uh, gods, yeah. essentially. A pantheon of thousands of gods. Absolutely. And Mara made a decision that forced Alice to decide to make them flesh and blood. And by doing so, every single thing that has happened since Alice Lee woke up in a corporeal body has been Mara's fault. That's that's mind blowing. And not not just not just Mara's fault, like Mara's reason. Mara's everything. Her plan. Like, plan. Like it this has been the this has been the plan from day one, from the from the second the boop happened. And it's interesting because when when the when the boop first happened, I always thought of Mara seeing that as like because cause she even talks about how she just you know, she leapt off the ship and she's got so much kilometers of, of tether on her and just she's she's like, I'm you know, I'm ready to be to be ended. Like I always saw that as like a suicide jump. And and I'm I I and I'm still not fully sure to this day what Mara truly thought when she leapt off the hull that day of of, of or that, that moment to go to go boop the, the light in the dark. I, I don't know if it started off as a, you know, I'm I'm ready to succumb. I'm since I'm the only one basically voting to go back, I you know, I'm I I'm ready to succumb. But then as soon as she boops it and, and the black hole begins and, and she crosses the event horizon and realizes that she's in this pocket universe, that she 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 can do anything she wants in here. Like anything she thinks can become reality, it it's all it's all up to her. Does that change her motive? Does that say, okay, now instead of death, now instead of a suicide, now I have the tools. I, I, can, I can make something happen inside this universe to help me go back and help fix. Because that's, remember, that's always what she was all about on the ship. She was always about, I'm, you know, a problem arises, I'm just going to fix it myself. You know, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna let my superiors know. I'm not gonna let go. Let it go of the chain mm-hmm. of command. Create the incident report. Fill out paperwork for that. Get the acquisition request done for the parts. You know, two weeks later the parts come in, and then you go fix it. Blah blah. She just get the parts and fix it. That was it. Like she wanted to. She wanted to just be done. So I'm curious if that like, if her coming to this side was it was like what was her thoughts jumping off the hole that 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 moment, and then in in in. Retro, or not in retrospect, in in moving forward, coming through the singularity, did did those thoughts change, or was this her idea from the beginning? Was her idea like, oh, hey, I see a black hole forming. Let's jump inside and see what the fuck happens. You know, do do I get do I get the tools that I need to fix this problem of 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 humanity? Like, it, man, there's so much in this. Like, it's oh, mind blowing. I have to believe that she didn't. There's no way she knew 
oh, if I jump into that black hole, I'm going to become the god of a new universe right. and be able to do, you know, be able to design it however I want. Um, I, I think she she didn't know what was going to happen, but that has always been her thing. Is like she originally she was outside the ship so that she could die in the starlight. Yep. And she saw something present itself, and she's always been the one to dance close to danger. And so she, she and jumped that towards extra it. sense. And, and that extra like sixth sense. Yeah. Um. Now, once once she got there, and you know, became aware of herself in whatever way that manifested, um, you know, she very clearly had a plan of, I want the Awoken people to exist, but to exist in a way where there will always be at least a group of them that are uncomfortable in paradise. Yeah. So that they will follow me. That they want to And I'm going to, and I'm going to nurture that uncomfortable feeling in that population so that they will follow me out of this place. And I, I think that has always been her plan Absolutely. since she knew she had the ability to, to put those pieces in play. Absolutely. Man. <sighs> and the, the one last line I want to linger on for that one before we, we read our, the next and last chapter for tonight, probably. Um, is that she, she asks Alice Lee, uh, you know, I would be very glad if you didn't tell my mother. And that is such a, to me, that reads as such a, like, such a, a, a level of innocence that yeah. it harkens back to that, you know, 16 year old girl yeah. that's in over her head. And it's like, don't, don't tell mom that I, you know, I, I messed stuff up or, or that I did something she wouldn't approve of. And don't, it, don't it, tell it's... mom I created a pocket universe for us to live in <laughs> for 12.1 billion years so we could all just turn around and go back. <laughs> it's just, I, I, I truly wonder if that's Mara without the mask. I think at so. That point. Because you're right. She's always been presented with a mask in games constantly. And mm-hmm. even all throughout this book, she's always got that mask on. She's always, yeah, I think so. I think this is the one true moment. I wonder, I wonder if it scares her to be that vulnerable. I'm sure it has to. Man. I mean, if, if she has, like, the level of anxiety that keeps her up at night just from thinking about all of the, the people that she's affecting with this decision, like... I have to think to let some of that facade fall away, even for a moment, is probably terrifying for her. <laughs> yeah. Holy cow. All right. Well, now that we're done with that waterworks of a show. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> One last entry here uh, yep. for tonight. Uh, take it away. Rock yeah. and roll with it. So... um. This is uh, chapter 24 of Maracena, um, entitled Palagenesis 1. And um, Palagenesis me, is the concept of rebirth or recreation uh, 
used throughout various contexts of philosophy, theology, so on and so forth. Um, but rebirth, I think, is probably what they're going for here. So this one goes like this. Mara thinks of the banyan trees that sprawl across the shallow, silty lakes of a world she will never see again. The waveguides in her helmet detect the image and obey the encrypted command scheme she's rooted into every system in her fleet. She speaks into the flight dectorate channel. Flight. Sound off for final hold. Fido, go flight. Guidance, go flight. Inco, good constellation, go flight. Geo, go flight. Bio, go flight. As her flight controllers confirm the state of their technical domains, Mara looks out into space through the synthetic gaze of her sensorium. The hulls gleam in the stark blue-white light of the star, each ship a silver seed pod braced by immense structural members and cocooned in reservoirs of spectrally adaptive smart fluid. Theoretically, enough to survive the horrible forces of transit through a singularity. Mara ordered herself not to crane her neck, but she does it anyway, and gets a terrible cramp as she searches the sky for distributary. There it is, the world of her rebirth, shining water blue and beautiful, wrapped like a gyroscope in its twin rings. World of laughing corsairs, world of breathless forest hunts, world of mountains flickering with pale, Cherenkov fire, world of sweet berry-stained lips, and mathematical insight pure as a rhodium chime. She will never see it again. Mara thinks of her mother. She doesn't want to, but she does, and the memory blindfolds her and muzzles her and plugs her ears so she can hear nothing but Osana's voice on that final night. They're tipsy together, and the evening has wrapped around to morning. Now they sit, side by side, mother and daughter, watching the sun rise over the range from Osana's little ranch house on the tundra. I'm not coming with you, Osana says. Mara has been so afraid of this answer for so long that she actually giggles. This can't be happening. Of course, this is a nightmare. One of those stress dreams where your powers of persuasion and manipulation fail. Sure, Mom, she says. You've got a ranch to run, after all. More? No, thank you. Osana squints into the dawn. Little age creases around her eyes. Illegible encryption, unbroken despite Mara's centuries of effort. The rising light draws a tear. You'll have to send my goodbyes to Aldrin. He's not speaking to me. What? Mara gasps, as if this is the real shock, and not losing her mother forever. Why? Because I already told him I wasn't coming with him. I'm happy here. Mom, Mara says with rising anger. I'm happy here too. 
that's not the point. A conversation which did not so much end as beat itself to an unsustainable emotional pulp hours later. No catharsis. No closure. Back in the present. Weapons, Aldrin calls. Go flight. Go flight, Mara confirms. The clock is counting. L minus five minutes. Directly off her hull's bow, a sphere of ultra-dense mass awaits for the moment of implosion and collapse. There will be only moments to transit the wormhole before it evaporates. Light sensor, Sheer Ido calls. I have anomalous starfield occlusions bearing... Intercept, Mara shouts. They're missiles. It had to happen. Somebody had to try and stop the departure. Someone good and pallid and pure who believed they were saving tens of thousands of awoken from madness and doom. Flight, Fido. Do we abort? Negative. Mara snaps. The countdown is go. Weapons kill the inbounds. Sheer Ido grunts in dismay. They're going to get through, she says. Five or six, at least. Aldrin. Mara opens their personal channel with a thought of his face. Reassign your guns to protect the gateway. We'll lose hulls, Mara. I know. Do it. Mara opens the command interface for the gateway and sends the image of a bloody thorn. The countdown skips instantly to zero. All ships we are aborting directly to launch. Brace for acceleration. She issues the emergency launch order. The hull screams with thrust. Mara's suit floods with cushioning gel. She thinks of her mother's face, trying to fix it perfectly in her mind, and her sensorium tries, vainly, to open a channel to Osama. As the hull plunges into the singularity, the last thing Mara sees is the mournful error message. No connection. No connection. Cannot connect to Osana. And that's where that one ends. So this is it. This is the this is the traveling back. Like this is all the ships are ready. They're Mara's, you know, spinning up through the different. It's it's funny because Mara finally has that seat that she coveted back in in the Exodus days. Like when she was in Alice's Lee captain's room, that's what she aspired to be, the captain of of the ship. And now she's got it. She's she's mm-hmm. you know they're going through all the all the different stations. Go flight, go flight, go flight. And then thinking back to to the night before with her mom, there's a drunk all night. Uh, her mom saying, you know, I'm I'm not coming with you. Mars just like, oh yeah, sure, whatever. You know, you got a whole ranch to run, right? And and Mars like, you know, or or Osana's like, you'll have to say goodbye to Ultron because he's he's already written me off. And it's and and Mars like, what? <laughs> Well, what the hell is his problem, you know? And she's like, well, I told him I wasn't coming because I'm happy here. And Mara's like, that's not the point. Like, that's cool that everyone's happy here. We have this debt to be paid. We, cre- I created this universe so we could go back. And, and then just starts this whole, like, hours long, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And it just comes to, to no closure for him, for, for Mara or, or Osana, I, I think. 
Um, and of course, then she goes, she hears all the kind of, you know, more, more voices snapping her back to the present, you know, go flight, go flight next, next station, next station. So she gets everything set up and, and we're, we're, she's fixing to, uh, you know, she's giving everyone, you know, five minutes we'll, when we're going to launch. And then Sheer comes up, uh, sensor, we, I've got, uh, I've got shit coming in <laughs> and Mara realizes they're missiles. Somebody somewhere, some, some, you know, do good paladin, you know, pure of heart and, and, and believes that they're saving lives of, of, of awoken by killing all the ones that are retreating because the, all the ones that are retreating are going to just succumb to madness and doom. And so, you know, she's like, do we, do we, do we give up? Do we abort? Do we go back? Nope. Everything, you know, instant, instant command. Aldrin, weapons free. Kill kill anything that hit that 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 comes towards us. Protect the gateway. Protect the wormhole at all costs. And Aldrin's like, you know, it, it's a couple of missiles are gonna get through. We're gonna take some damage. She's like, I don't give a shit. Let's go. And so then gives the ins the 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 instantaneous command of launch now. And you know, five <laughs> five minutes went from shoop, shoop, <laughs> went from five minutes to zero real quick. <laughs> and they launch and. As they're launching through, she it's she's trying to make like that one last call back to her mom, and of course, you know, she's passing back through a singularity, back through a wormhole, and it's just connection lost, no connection, cannot connect to Osana. So yeah, this is this is this this is our cliffhanger, the the return mm-hmm. to to Seoul. They have launched, emergency launched, back through the singularity to try and get back to the soul system under heavy fire from their own people trying to prevent them from doing it at all costs and we'll see what happens next time yeah uh well we don't really have any shout outs to give this time didn't give i did do i did do some homework for everyone uh i did the math from last time remember we said that we were going to do uh you know at what point does doubling does does you know one one turn into two turn into four turn into eight turn into sixteen does that eventually lead up to forty thousand eight hundred ninety one and it it absolutely does not the closest I got was thirty six thousand <laughs> something and so still about four so I have no idea why there was nine missing like that's that's that that is its own mystery uh and will be covered hopefully in a different episode. Uh, Myth, you got anything? <laughs> Say, yeah, we'll cover it once we know what the hell it means. That's kind of what uh, I'm getting at. Like, <laughs> we'll cover it in a theories uh, episode. <laughs> but no, I say uh, I'm just gonna do kind of our our normal plug. Um, for anyone that is not already aware, we've got. Uh, we didn't have any tonight because we were spoiled last time by having three. We were. Which is pretty awesome. That was awesome. But you guys are awesome. Uh, normally, we would do shoutouts if we have any any particular um, comments via our Twitter, which is at Myths and Stories. Uh, Z instead of an S at the beginning of stories, same as the title of the show. Um, or if someone had left a review on the uh, Apple Podcast app. Uh, we, we like to go, go through those and, and give shout outs to, to people that enjoy our stuff. Um, 
as well as if if there's questions presented on the Twitter or uh, any kind of you know respectful discussion, all about that. We love to hear from people, so uh, don't be afraid to reach out if you're interested or if you just want to follow that page because you want to know when we post new videos. It's good for that too, uh, yeah. or new recordings, I should say. Um, but yeah, I say other than that, that's that's kind of it for tonight. A video for your ear holes. That's what that's what yeah. that's what we'll call these things. <laughs> uh, well, I guess I didn't give any thank yous tonight. Um, you know what? I I haven't I haven't done this in a while, and so I'm I'm gonna give this thank you. Uh, thank you, Myth. Uh, for being oh. uh as awesome as you are, and doing all the research and homework for me, so that way I can just sit back and enjoy the whole weekend. <laughs> you get to be listener number one, Zor. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> oh, I get to be the first. It's all a lie. Missed the first. He read it all anyway. Oh man, does that mean I'm <laughs> Alice Lee to your Marasov? Oh, at least you get a good retirement home. Oh, I'll give you that one. <laughs> a shitty tea set from a billion, 12 billion years ago. <laughs> That's fine. I'll accept it. I don't even drink tea. You think they developed soda mm. while they were there in the... You think they even had soda? I mean, they had tea. I feel like they would have soda. I mean, they they developed and then dismantled like antimatter weapons i'm pretty <laughs> sure somebody at some point was like what if we carbonate water <laughs> I, lo- I love that that's your that's your anti-thought to that like that's your answer to did they invent soda they created and dismantled antimatter weapons i'm pretty sure somebody somewhere was like i wonder what happens if we carbonate water I love that's the end of the spectrum you went to. Like, not, yep. not. Oh yeah, yep. they have a tea set from twelve billion years ago. They're immortal. They're whatever. Like, no, no. They created and dismantled antimatter weapons. Pretty sure they carbonated water at some point. Alrighty, just maybe. Just maybe. well. Uh, alrighty. Well, from all of us lore nerds to all of you guardians out there, we'll see you next week.